Hello. 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 This is Lars. <laughs> That's a great imp- I want you to talk like that all the way through the podcast. No, c'est ce que je disais. Oui, oui, c'est vrai. C'est la blague. Après tout, tout dépôt. Il y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow! This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? No. I remember quite clearly it was 1946 and I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Babel, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Leah, and Abdel Afid Kishi. We won! Oh, it is not over. We must continue. Oh, I did not know that. What can I say? Um, I I understand Hitler, but uh, I, I I I I think he did some wrong things. Yes, absolutely. But 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 I I, I can see him sitting in in his bunker in the end. <laughs> but I, there will come a point at the, at the end of this. There will come. I will. I will. No, I'm just saying that. That that uh, I understand. I, I think I understand the man. Uh, he's not what we, you, you would call a good guy, but I. Um, yeah, I. I understand much about him, and I sympathize with him a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Hi everybody, welcome to the Filmotomy podcast, episode 70. It's uh, it's me, Bianca, returning uh, after uh, a short trip away. We're discussing someone uh, we all love to hate or... Or hate to love. Yes, and uh, cool. that that man is Lars von Trier. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where do we even start? All right. <laughs> This is probably the one. Uh, when we, here's the thing about these podcasts: we plan this out about months, sometimes months in advance. We have a subject, we discuss it. Like, would it be an interesting topic for a podcast? This is something we would um, enjoy talking about. Uh, and then Lars von Trier came up, and <laughs> this is this is what I've been looking forward to for a long time because. Lars von Trier, of all, of all the director film directors uh, I admire, uh, that I like and I follow and admire, Mar- Lars von Trier is probably the most, um, he, he's the mo- he's probably just the most uh, maddening, the, mad- the most maddening one of them all. I mean, it's just, I want to like him, and it's just every, every, Every time he opens his mouth, he just—he's just like, you know what? You won't let me. Why won't you, why won't you let me like you, Lars von Trier? Because he doesn't even like himself. Yeah, see? that's true. So how can he let others like him? But it's his yeah. birthday. It's his, it's his birthday as well, so we have to have yes. birthday, so. Happy Happy birthday, Lars! If you're listening to this, which <laughs> uh, I don't know whether you would want to listen to this. Um, What's your sort of take on him, Robin? Um, he's one of those filmmakers that you, you kind of, if you didn't know him, what he was like away from the camera or with his actors the way he is and his general his general attitude, you would like really you would he'd probably be one of your favourite filmmakers um, because like sort of uh, Gaspar Noir, the French filmmaker, mm. a bit not as very different, but. Someone you watch his films and you're like, wow, he's technically, you know, he's got it there and 
but no, I, I'm not a big fan of. I think it's a bit too grotesque. But yeah, Von Trier's is. is a, I think he's a really, really, really good writer. Is what I will say. We, we, I'm sure we're going to get into his characters at some point. But some of the stuff he writes about, and he writes from kind of his own childhood and his his mental health and a lot of things about death and stuff like that. Um, so. I admire him as a, as a filmmaker to some extent, with a lot of kind of side issues. As a person, I don't particularly like him at all. I don't like his attitude. I don't like the way he is with his actors. Mm. You know, we've got a couple of yeah. things we can discuss there. Um, or with animals, apparently. Yeah, I mean, and his. I mean, you look at his films, and we're going to discuss the, some of the films that are strong, good. Good. What I will say is they are strong. Um, he writes strong parts for women, but the the women generally get mm. brutalised, you know. And even in Dogville, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, is a film I can't decide how much I love it because, and it's like all of his films, because of these issues, you know. Without these issues, all these films would be top tier, but it's. It just he's got this way of putting you off. Even when you're watching his film, you can sort of see his brain ticking over sometimes. Like, what? Why is he doing that? You know. And so, yeah, I like him as a filmmaker, with a lot of, um, however's. <laughs> um, mm. As a person, I think he's a, a, a moron. Yeah, that's that's kind of my attitude towards him. Yeah. I I feel like if he just didn't speak. You know, and just didn't do interviews. Kind of like when I, it's so annoying. Like the people I really admire, uh, whether they be filmmakers, authors, you know, whoever, the moment they go to interview and they start speaking, I just think, oh my God, you make it so difficult for me to like you and be a exactly. fan of your work. Um, exactly. Terry Gilliam. Um, <laughs> stop giving interviews, please. Um, but you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, just let your work speak for itself. You, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But that's just, ah, it's so frustrating. Well, but, John, Jonathan, what about you? I mean, I know you're, you've spoken quite fondly of some of his films, but you've you've spoke about them in a kind of, uh, yeah, like you're sort of allergic, <laughs> to, allergic to them at the same time, you know. What, yeah, what's, your, uh, what's your take on him, generally? Well, I... Uh... My first encounter with Lars was uh, Dancer in the Dark, and this was, I think it was when I was in college. Like, I was just, when I first saw it, I was, just, you know, kind of taken aback, because uh, here's this guy, he's uh, shooting with a digital camera, and he's trying to make us believe that this world that we're watching is... You know, which is the 1960s, and it's very convincing. I just the way he uses practical sets, and I actually thought, oh, he shot this somewhere, probably in Canada or uh, you know, some, somewhere up north. And I did more, I did a little more research into Lars, and this guy is afraid of almost damn near everything. He, he doesn't uh, travel. He rarely travels. He shoots mostly in his home country which is impressive because he can find just because he finds all of these places and it he makes this it makes say you know a small town town in the united states look very very believable um or he but, just doesn't use any sets at all <laughs> right yeah 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 sometimes he just uses the soundstage Stage, it just kind of just goes from there. Um, no, uh, Dance in the Dark was my first uh, my my first time watching a Lars von Trier film, and I absolutely loved it, uh, especially with uh, Bjork's performance, which I thought, wow, she's she's got a lot of range. She's extremely talented behind in front of the camera and holds and hope and held my uh, attention the whole way through. Um, it's, and after that, I'm thinking, okay, this, she had to have been nominated for actress, and she, I think she won, uh, uh, 
uh, Khan for Best Actress, if I'm if I'm if that's correct. Um, but nothing like an Oscar for like you know Best Actress or anything like that, which is just really really disappointing because it's it's. I mean, she I'm, I I think that's her only uh, performance she's ever done on film, but it's it it it's it, I thought it was very spectacular, and she has. I just feel it's, it's a bit of a shame that she hasn't really done anything else beyond that, film-wise. Uh, so, after that, I was like, oh, this guy's oh, this guy's really good. I was blown away. Uh, and then, the next film I saw was Antichrist. Oh, and, God. Jesus Christ. I mean, that, I, 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 again. Um, you mean Jesus Antichrist? Yeah, yeah. Wow, just, that was a bad joke. I, 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 <laughs> I did just, that. <laughs> I was just wait. This this is the same guy that made Dancer in the Dark, and he made this, and it's just it it it, it, it my, it, and I'm just like what? It was it, it, like really. I mean, I was just perplexed the whole way through watching it, and then I think some, and then I think somewhere towards the end, uh. I I, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't even know where where, where to begin. Yeah. I really yeah. don't. I mean, I don't, I don't like it's interesting because it's just uh because I think Charlotte's game Games Bros is really really good, is a terrific actress. Uh, and she's I guess uh, Von Trier regular now. Uh. Why'd she say yes to this film? I mean, it's just, it, it, she's, I mean, she's basically put through the ringer, and she's well, treated so horribly in this, quite, quite in, this in this film, and it's just... Both of them well, are. Well, both, yeah, both, but, yeah. Just, and the baby, the baby's the... the yeah. <laughs> everyone forgets about the baby. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's one way you want to start a film movie, a child that ends up uh, jumping out a window by accident. And I know that that, that they're trying that Ventures the subject is is uh, tragedy and how these two people cope with each other and the horrible things that come to light during in this in this relationship as it unravels. But did it have to be this? Did it have to be this cruel and this mean spirited and nasty? I mean, yeah. that's something. I, that that is exactly something I think a lot when I watch his films. I, I always I ask myself that. Um, uh, breaking the waves, you know. Oh, the, yeah. the, the, that character, she, she, it's such a brilliantly written character, and what she does is this sort of ultimate sacrifice, this loyalty, dedication. But he does it in such a cruel way, and the way it ends. Not not the very end, because I think the the last shot is incredible, but. The, what happens at the end? Same with Dogville. That is such a long film, and, what, and the ending. I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a kind of a bit of. A, oh no, I could, I could, I couldn't get through Dogville. I mean, I think there is like I maybe got through half it. And like okay, I like it. I okay, I'm turned off by it. I like it again, and then I think there is a part where the uh, they kill a horse. And it's just like okay, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a, at the end, there's a, a massacre, basically. And you're just thinking, well, what? why did why did you need to do this? We know it's a cruel world. We know that without watching his films. We know that because yeah. he's, he's, he's telling us that, it, you know, and with this melancholy as well that he carries, um, we can we can feel it. Um, and, and again, in that film, the Nicole Kidman character, Grace, she's kind of a, turns out to be a villain, but, even she's like brutalized as well, you know. And you're just thinking, as you, it's such a great idea what he did there with the set, the soundstage, almost like like a map, just so weird. Um, everything's pretend, you know. There's no, you know, I think it's is it gooseberry bushes or something. There's there isn't. Yeah. it's just level. It's the doors as well. That and the me. doors and like he holds the door <laughs> and done it for I think the car comes in and he like hang on, hang on, let me just. And it, so it's quite comical and you think this is really. It's very creative, but the subject matter. This is the sad tale of the township of Dogville. Dogville was in the Rocky Mountains in the U.S. of A. Up here, where the road came to its definitive end near the entrance to the old abandoned silver mine. 
The residents of Dogville were good, honest folks, and they liked their township. And while a sentimental soul from the East Coast had once dubbed their main street Elm Street, though no elm had ever cast its shadow in Dogville, they saw no reason to change anything. Most of the buildings were pretty wretched. More like shacks, frankly. The, the Colkid character is... Do we think they're supposed to like her or not? I don't know. I, I'm not bothered about that. I quite like that, that the character's kind of maybe an anti-hero, as we discussed before, or, or straight-out villain, or an enigma, which she's more of an enigma. But she's raped twice, I think. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, um, generally, she's disliked by the villagers, but the villagers are quite... They're quite meek, they're tame, they're not really, they're just little villagers that, I mean, I think at the beginning there's one of the guys, he's, the voiceover says, he's, he's dumb and he knows it, you know, and it's like, yeah, these people are, you know, I won't say. The, I, I, I disagree with you about the villagers. Uh, I disagree. They were horrible people and yeah. the, I, I think uh, I kind of was happy at the end because she'd gone so through so much that i was like you know what probably we've all had that feeling that maybe if we if we could get with it we probably we end up we would do something like that so i think they almost got their just desserts yeah i mean it's nice like uh, the, these don't deserve it. i mean like they're quite tame as in Mm. Cut off from the rest of the world, well, literally, with film. But they're they're all not. I mean, they use the word dumb. We wouldn't be able to say that in a review, probably. But they are quite stupid, and they are quite. It's almost like you know, hills have eyes. To yeah. Sort of, you know that kind of where someone comes in a stranger, and unless she's from like the mob, you she's kind of the outsider and. The one you probably root for, but yeah, she does go through some shit, and that's where we will come back to yeah. his, his well-written characters that are not treated very well. Yeah. You know, also just from uh, just from, from what I from from what I'm watching, which is maybe maybe half of it, maybe a little more over half. I looked at it, it's it, it's <laughs> it's Lars von Trier again. He he also just happens to be very kind of takes aim at my countrymen in the sense that we're not, which is, I think what she's saying is that we're not, you know, beyond this, this machine that we present ourselves, we're down, we have, we're not as, uh, open, we're not as open and as, uh, open, we're not as open and as friendly and as, uh, welcoming as we think we are, or as what, what our history tells us that we are. Yeah. So that's yeah. part of it. I think it was like, it's supposed to be like an American-based trilogy. But I don't think he ever made the third one. But I think no, no, no. It was Washington. He never made it. He got a lot of stick for that. And he got a lot of stick for Mandalay as well. But this one... The very divisive filmmaker. And this Dog, Dogville, I think, is one of the most divisive films. Because I still can't decide where to put it. Because of the, the horrible people in it. And the brutality in it. Not just of her, but at the end... I mean, this is. I mean, we're gonna mention babies. I mean, yeah. I just yeah, think, what? Why, why? I mean, it's not it's particularly graphic, but I, I don't need. You've made your point. I don't need to 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 experience that. You know, I get right. it. It's kind of like a revenge thing, and but you know, so it just for me, the I did the it sort of fell away. But yeah, it's generally love him or hate him. I don't think anyone. I don't think we really know, do we? I. Do, do we start talk, start talking about Dogma ninety five and his earlier works like uh I mean there was Breaking the Ways but there was also the idiots that he made. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was yeah. That's controversial <laughs> as well, isn't it? I mean Jeez. Yeah, actually uh that one I actually did catch some of I did watch. And again it's it, it's one of those it's just like, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> you know? I mean it's just I mean, I always respect filmmakers that, you know, decide to just say, you know what, fuck convention, conventional filmmaking, uh, we want to try, I want to try something different, I want to just break the rules and do, and, and try and present this new form of storytelling, but, and it's interesting, and the whole dogma thing is interesting, but, uh, the whole, the work itself with the idiots is just, it's just, it just looks absolutely sloppy, 
it's that kind of gritty and just it I again again it's like I don't know what to make of it, it just it, beyond the fact that it just looks very very raw and rushed and sloppy and it just doesn't really look well the words polished and the characters are just fucking awful <laughs> I mean really just awful fucking people it's like okay when these people are just so terrible and so dumb and you know cruel why why do I want to spend any more time with these people that's one film I've avoided watching of his I you just can avoid you, 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 you made the right choice yeah I have no desire to watch it um, but I, uh, it's a lot of his earlier work that I do want to explore but it's all very like you know you never want to get in the, you're never in the right mood to watch a Lars von Trier movie right <laughs> Uh, Antichrist was the first film of his that I watched. Um, oh. <laughs> so I've been thrown in at the deep end, I think, really. And now I'm like, uh, uh, every, even like his, I guess, lesser extreme movies, uh, I just think, oh gosh, yeah, but, you know, I, I expect that they're going to be worse than they actually are i don't know i've got this it's got that stigma now to me <laughs> it's like i just antichrist i just can't even i think for the last half an hour i was just had my eyes shut <laughs> i don't want to look i don't want to look <laughs> so yeah and i've avoided nymphomaniac films i've i'm not really i'm not really interested um oh, no. after melancholy i kind of not because of melancholia, but um, generally just an antichrist as well. It's just distances you so much that there's no. You've got to have some enjoyment with film, and you've got to have some appreciation and admiration at the very least, which I have for films like Dogville and uh, and some of the others, and some of the early stuff, which when it wasn't as controversial, I would say. But yeah, I just thought I'm not gonna. I've not watched his latest film yet either. I'm just. And I would just say that I found it very like he's almost parodying himself now. It just felt very flat and empty and devoid of any sort of real care. This could be really good. You could actually say something about America's obsession with true crime and serial killers. Yeah. And and have a point to this film, but I feel like there is no point to this film. It's just you wanting to to be. F- I don't know. Like I I watched it with Adam, and Adam turned around to me. Do you think and said, do you get the feeling that Lars von Trier wants to kill someone, <laughs> but knows that can't, so he just made the house that Jack built. Um, so that's how I feel now. I'm like, yeah. Shall we do a fun quiz? Yeah, let's talk. Oh, sure, why not? Let's uh, yeah. lighten things up a bit. Yeah, quick time. If we can. Woo! Okay, uh-huh. right. So uh, this is uh, our Chaos Reigns quiz, and it's all about Lars, and it's just true or false. So uh, there's really hard questions, okay? So you ready for this? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? All right, let's do it. Question number one. Lars was born on the 1st of April, 1956. True or false? False. Yes, it's false. 30th of April. Yes, it Ah. is. It's 30th of April. Okay, question number two. Lars is the same height as Hitler. You know, uh, I think I'm going to say true on that one. Robin? I'd, I'd say it's on a similar level. Um, false. Oh, yes, it's, well, it's, you're kind of right, false. Hitler was 1.75 okay. uh, metres and Lars is 1.7 metres tall. Ah. So they're yeah. kind very close. Lars yeah. uh, <clears throat> found out that his father wasn't his biological father when his mother confessed on her dead. Is this true or false? That is true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is true. 
Lars's uh, mother had an affair with her boss. And, German, uh, yeah. He was German, yes. And a Nazi. <laughs> so, uh, this, yeah. Uh, question number four. Lars added the von to his name uh, after his peers at the Danish film school told him so. So. That, that actually, that, that's actually true. It is true. That's yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Lars is really here. <laughs> Donovan's like, I understand Lars. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I understand him to some extent, but that's almost like me almost understanding a crazy person. Yeah. And then again, my, my mom works with uh, mentally ill people, so maybe it just runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> um. Question number five. Lars has never visited the United States of America. Oh, that's definitely true. In fact, he he doesn't really visit much. He doesn't really visit any, like very few places at all because he doesn't hear it flying. Yes. Oh, that's Lars now. Uh, <laughs> phoning in. Oh, sorry. That's... Uh, give me just a minute. Lars wants to... He's actually... Uh, heard that we're doing a quiz and yeah. uh, he wants to get involved in the action. Hello Jennifer, I can't believe you're doing this to me. <laughs> I'm so bad but so funny. Uh, I love it. Horrible. I love it. I love it. I may um, get some questions right if he's not here. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not gonna we're not cheating. No. Okay. Okay, that was Lars himself. Just wanted me to tell you that you guys are doing a good job, and that uh, it's not, not only do I understand Hitler, I also understand Goebbels and uh, <laughs> within the SS. Oh, why? Wow. Uh, Exclusive. I thought I was a, a Jew. It turns out I was a Nazi. <laughs> 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 Fucking idiot. Uh, right. Uh, Okay, so, uh, question number six. Two of Lars's favourite films are West Side Story and Singing in the Rain. Is this true, or is it false? I, uh, you know, I'll go on let me say true. Jonathan, it's true. Oh, that's it's, insane. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I know. Uh, he's also yeah. a fan of uh, Bergman and his favourite films. Bergman film, I believe, is uh, Through a Glass Darkly. Well, I can <laughs> see his Bergman, yeah. I can see that. Uh, imagine Lars doing, like, a full-on Hollywood musical. Like, you know, that would be, that would be crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so, question number seven. Jonathan is, like, super great at this. Oh, no. So, come on, come on, oh, no. Robin. I'll get Def Okay. Lars was raised by parents who attended nudist camps when he was young. Uh, he was spent his summers there. Uh, at these nudist camps, is this true or false? True. It is true. Hmm. Yes. Okay, that, yeah. that part I didn't know. Yeah. Fun, he, he, fun fact there for you. Yeah. Which um, probably... I mean, who is taking their child to a nudist camp? <laughs> I feel like his parents are really irresponsible. Um, just, you know, kind of the free... Just, I would say baby hippies, I guess. That's, that's baby, the... baby boomer hippies yeah. taking, a, taking a 10-year-old child to a nudist camp. <laughs> Question 8. Lars's uh, office is based in an abandoned shopping mall. Is this true or false? Oof. You know what? For Lars von Trier, I, w I wouldn't put it past him, so I'm going to say true. Robin? False. False. Oh, Robin, you're correct. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. His office is based at an abandoned army training camp. Oh. Yeah. Of course. Of course it is. <laughs> Which he drives around in a golf buggy. Um, there's an excellent uh, like interview with uh, Mark Commode interviewing Lars, right. and he goes around in his little golf buggy with him uh, around this army training camp and it's just like so surreal but uh, really interesting so I recommend giving it a watch on YouTube um, question 9 Lars has said that uh, in an interview he wrote the screenplay of Dogville on a 12 day drug binge 
do we think this is true or false? False. Mm, I'm gonna say false. I'm, I don't think he. I, I think he's he's here's a screw list, but I don't think he's there's. It's that. It's that list. Oh, it's it's that loose. It's true. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> wow. So, what was he on? Like, like PCP, I... heroin, like met, crystal meth, or all the above? I don't know exactly, um, but this is apparently what he said in an interview. So the narration <laughs> makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> John Hare, John Hare, it's John Hare that it is. It's quite, it's quite amusing. Question ten. This is also about Dogville. Um, apparently, according to Nicole Kidman, Lars would take off his clothes to inspire his actors into uh, fits of rage and anger on a set of Dogville. Is this true, or is this false? You know, I know he did. I, I, I think I know he did that with uh, *Nymphomaniac*, but I'm gonna say that's. Tr I'm gonna say it's true that he probably did it twice. On, on, on that one, on that, on Nymphomaniac and, uh, and on Dog, on Dogville. Yeah, I'm gonna say true. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It sounds, yes. like, it sounds like something Peter Farrelly would do. Yeah, he just like he, <laughs> Lars just likes whipping off his clothes. I mean, he did go to nudist camps as a child. So right. That's yeah. Right. It, right. It, yeah. So Jonathan, well done. You win. Thank you. you win <laughs> the Lars. Quiz! Yay. Yay! You get to spend the uh, evening okay, with Lars. Yeah. In, yes, in a, yeah, the only winner the winner is also the loser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's that's Lars quiz. So, yeah, let's talk about his his themes then. Um, Actually, one of them. Well, uh, sorry, uh, one of them that you touched on, which is uh, one of the things. The themes is cruelty. That the world is is a cruel and heartless place. And that I what I what I noticed is that that just spans with all of his movies with uh, Dance in the Dark with the Nymphomaniac. With the idiots, with breaking the waves, is that is that people are cruel? This is a cruel world, and he just kind of hammers that home. Well, and, and he just hammers that home in a lot of his film, and most of, if not all of his films, the ones I've seen, I should say. Yeah, and I think he, he almost like I, I wouldn't say mercy, but kind of um, for for doing the right thing, you get punished for it, or for for. Um, Showing kind of, show mercy like Bjork's character, what she does, and then she's trialed uh, and punished, right. and punished anywhere. Yeah, even she if, even if perhaps you think, well, that that doesn't seem fair. Nicole Kidman's character as well, similarly, you know, and when she, <laughs> I don't even call it revenge, but it, it, it clearly destroys her, the character, um, and also. Or the joke character where, you know, she's punished she's punished by society for having a high oh, sex drive. I mean, yeah. And obviously which, breaking the waves as well, which is probably mm -hmm. the best example of this she I mean she speaks to she speaks to God. She's she's a lovely woman. <laughs> this uh, Emily Watson is so fantastic in that film. Mm -hmm. Um and what happens to her is she just gives gives her body and everything for the good of somebody else. And it, it's heartbreaking. I pray for Jan to come home. He will be coming home in ten days. You must learn to endure. You know that. Oh, I can't wait. This is unlike you, Bess. Out there, there are people who need Jan and his work. What about them? They don't matter. Nothing else matters. The 
the bells, the forbidden bells, which hats yeah. aren't supposed to ring without any good reason, uh, are ringing at the end, aren't they? Mm. And they all come out, and, he, and the husband's like, got tears in his eyes, and he. And I think the idea is she defies that, and once she's, well, it's a spoiler, once she's gone, and she's now in heaven, I think, and that's what people are saying, and that's almost like last. That- Ending. ending. Yeah, and it's almost like it is though. It is because the the bells are ringing and then it ends, and it is. It's like a beautiful ending because after all of that, not like Dancer in the Dark, you know, which has songs in it, and it's like a pretty much a musical. And that happens. It's a cynical the sort un- of look at yeah. sacrifice. I think it's because of his sort of views on on religion. You know, I I don't I I think he was brought up maybe Catholic or or and he's an atheist or something. But there's definitely that sort of idea that um, very critical God. You know, what is the point? I think uh, uh, of in his mind, what is the point of um, doing all of this hard work because there is no afterlife. I, he's a realist in a way, even though like his films are very surreal in lots of elements. But it's kind of like, uh, essentially, things are uh, we try to control them, but they're out of our control. I don't. Yeah, it's I a know, very a realist is a real <laughs> way. But he, he, he is realist, and he, he, it's like this is what I think, but he interprets it in a surreal way, like you say. It's, it's film techniques, which I, I think just. So, so good. That's one of the things I really like about him, is the way he chooses to make his films. He doesn't just follow that, the Dogma 95 thing, which he did, but he also likes to have the sort of... And Colin has some visual elements in that, and the very last shot of Breaking the Waves is sort of almost the point of view of heaven. It depends how you interpret it. But one of his early films, Europa, which is which is one of his best films, it... It's like a lot of the film is like, it goes to colour. It's black and white, but it goes to colour sometimes. And also there's like, there's always like film projected in the background. Well, basically what happens to a character at the end, it, you feel like it's happening to you as well, because it just plays plays out. And you've got, um, you know, he does a voiceover a lot. He does like characters telling you the story almost. A lot. He does like characters telling you the story almost. Mm. And this is Matt Edo who does it. And he's counting one, two, and you're like, oh, really weird. In a dogville, is set a soundstage, and, it, and it's, there's no like hiding it. This is how it is. It's almost like, like a kid playing with Lego, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, his themes are real. This is how I feel. This is this is depression, but I'm gonna do it in an artistic way, and that's what I like about him that he does that. Whether I feel good after the end, after the film's finished, generally I don't. No. <laughs> no one, no one, very few times you ever do. Visually, he, how he pulls some stuff off is, is amazing. I, yeah. the, there's so many beautiful shots that you can take away. Even the shots that aren't necessarily beautiful, like in, in Antichrist with the fox. Right. Like, eating itself. There's so much there. It's like a painting you just want to analyze and look at for so long it's like drawing your attention to it especially the beautiful use of slow motion um although uh, i am like freaked out by foxes now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah his depression is like depression in, in life in general uh, but uh his depression i think manifests itself on screen quite a lot and he, he doesn't show it when you we'll talk about his interview I'm sure at some point but he doesn't seem like he's depressed he seems actually very like a very however offensive he may be he seems like a very happy-go-lucky person the way he speaks I know he's got no filter and he does project he does project it for his films you you certainly if, if you if you've suffered depression mm. you, as I have yeah 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 you put on a mask and you learn how it's yes, just kind of yeah. hide away how you says, really says, feel. Yeah, it says, sometimes he'll say, my favourite film is Melancholia, which I hope I can talk about at some point, but, but some of that film is last saying to me, I know how you feel, you know, and that's really weird. Yeah, it's kind of like that with 
uh, antichrist for me about grief is that what she goes through, uh, you know, at the beginning of that film, uh, like how she's struggling to breathe and, uh, you know, uncontrollable fits of crying and all that sort of feeling is it's definitely something I connected with. Um, especially like watching it recently or rewatched it again it was really hard to see that because i think grief is something that's not really portrayed realistically on the screen and depression as well like even it you know these films like melaconia when when it's like crazy and uh the planets colliding with earth it's a it should be like a big deal but um it's the film's not about that the film is more about a, a woman's journey and trying to cope with depression then surprisingly i arrived right back where i started from at nothing nothing it's a, not such a bad tagline jack With my newly fledged AD, please expand a little on the thoughts for the tagline. Nothing is too much for you, Jack. I hate you and your firm so deeply, I couldn't find the words to describe it. You are a despicable, power-hungry little man, Jack. There's lots of that sort of grand scale things that would in a normal, like a, say a normal film director, or like another film director would go off and focus on, but it's almost like he's, that's just a backdrop to the actual real theme and, and, and story that he wants to tell. But even Breaking the Waves and Bjork's character in Dancer in the Dark, they're not quite in reality, are they? sort of fantasizing and talking to god and so there's, there's that as well that it does not the i'm depressed but i'm not all there so to speak you know and he does that well as well i think mm, mm. But, well do we think he's a sexist <laughs> uh from what i've heard that probably treats women on on uh set and what yeah i mean it's Especially when um, Bjork later on discussing her experience on set with uh, on Dancer in the Dark, it was like, yeah, this 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 guy's this guy's not this guy's a sexist asshole. But it's just a real shame because again, he like what Robin said, he writes female character. He's he writes female characters so well, and yet he treats them like crap. Yeah, exactly. He just doesn't treat them very well. Yeah. But do you think that's just him in general not able to t talk to... I don't know how he is about it with his male actors. Uh, do you think he must treat them the same? Is it just he can't talk to people? Or... I'm not trying to make excuses that... for him, but I'm just curious. Maybe there's a part of him that might be misanthropic that just doesn't... that just does not connect with people, doesn't really like people that much, and just can't really you know connect yeah because it's fallen out actors have fallen out with him you know uh was it john c Riley that walked off walked off a set yeah of filming you know but what that's sexism is that probably wasn't sexism but that was something else it doesn't make it any better or less mm. you saw the, the the press conference and in 2011 and some of his other interviews i don't and bianca i'm sure you've watched some of them he, like I say, doesn't have a filter, so he gets a lot of backs up. But on the set, I know, like you said about the ticking his clock on set, that's mm. that's probably his interpretation of it. That that's not Bjork's interpretation of it. It's just not. It. It's just not professional to do it uh, on a film set. I don't care if you're trying to evoke um, a reaction. You can get it in a in a different way. You don't need to do that. Yeah, it's... his reputations. One of his when his first film at Cannes, going back to the eighties now. Um, said he called Roman Polanski a midget, didn't he? <laughs> I didn't know this, did he? Yeah, so, I don't know what he said exactly, but he won he won like the technical prize. But anyway, this is a filmmaker who's new, you know. Mm. And I think he said, 
thanks to the midget and the jury. And I've read somewhere that he, he stuck a middle finger up at him as well. I don't know if that's true, because he thought he deserved the palm door. <laughs> but Cam, he kept coming back to Cam, you know, and it, t- it took a long time for him to boot him out. But it's been controversial since, I mean, I think that, if I remember right, that film was 1980. When was it? 94, first one, but 91 it was. Europa. And then Breaking the Waves won at Cannes. I think it won uh, Grand, the Grand Prize. Mm-hmm. I know, Bianca, you've written about it. Um, Dance with the Dark won the door. Uh, so it's won, like, I don't know how many actresses have won. I, think I can name three. Three actresses have won, top of the head. I know Cannes not like the Academy where the Academy are the same people every year, so, you know, we're not going to vote for you, last because you don't even like us. I can understand that, but with Cannes it's like a different jury every year, but he keeps coming back and he keeps causing these problems, and it took to, for 2011 for them to say, you know, that's enough. And then they invite him back. I really like his characters. The female characters are very complex. Like, they're very free... To- 3D, but I, you know, like you say, they he puts them through so much, and you know that I almost feel like I, I become almost numb towards the end of his films, and and I feel that I can no longer connect with those characters. In in a way, they just seem it just takes takes away all their humanity. Yeah. I feel. I, I can't get an image of. Um, is it her name Bess in Breaking yes. the Waves uh, when she's she's Fine. pretty much battered and bruised at the end and I don't know and to see her like that at the end it's like well why last like what Jonathan said why are you being so yeah. cool to, uh, why, why does he need to show certain things why does that have to happen to, mm. to her you know um, that's very cruel as well and it's very enduring what happens at the end You have you seen it? no I haven't I that's Oh, God. Well, basically, what happens to a character at the end, it, you feel like it's happening to you as well, because it just plays up, plays out. And you've got, um, you know, he does voiceover a lot. He does, like, characters telling you the story almost. And he's counting one, two. And you're like, oh, come on, get to ten. Nine. Okay, let's go to Twitter. Um, I had some great responses back. Um, so first off, I had uh, Reverse Ben answer um, his favourite Lars von Trier is the house that Jack built, as it's a relentless mess mem- mesmerising. Can't mes- speak. Mesmerising. Mes- Anyway, uh, and it's a twisted study of art and a psychopath. Uh, well, it's definitely twisted. I'll get. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we had uh, Dan Tween. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Melancholia um, is the one of his films that I really enjoy. It's beautiful. It's also uh, Ricky Collins' favourite film. He said that no film has ever rattled me to the absolute core more than this. Uh, It's an absolute masterpiece in philosophy and depression. Uh, But Lars von Trier is my favourite filmmaker, so there are all moments in his films that give a similar emotional response. Oh, right, okay. I've never known anyone to say he's their (laughs) favourite. But, you know, (laughs) he must be. Uh, People do really enjoy his films, so... uh, Um, Film for Thought said uh, the only films that I've seen from him are his Nymphomaniac films and that was enough his mind for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, those films I just, I don't know what to say. (sighs) Anyway, um, Vincent said that the film that I discovered by him, uh, which is definitely my favourite, is The Kingdom. Which, have you seen The Kingdom? I've not seen that one yet, no. No, I haven't, I confess. I really do want to seek that out. I'm, I'm quite curious about it. It's one of so... his highest. It's one of his like highest rated films. Mm. Like, it's like what people don't really talk about it, but it's considered one of his best. I, no, I haven't seen it. 
Yeah, sure. yeah. Apparently, um, it's got incredible cinematography, editing, and a really good screenplay. Um, Chris Watts said uh, Europa. Um, he said long before his Dogma Manifesto created a mini cine revolution. I like that mini cine revolution. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's good. Von Trier was crafting a visually rich, structurally complex film. Um, he said with its luscious uh, black and white uh, cinematography, it's no exception. No shock tactics, just cinema. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because it, like I said, it's even got like cinema projected behind characters. It's so bizarre, but it really works. Mm. Um, Tyler, uh, Tyler has opinions. He said uh, the uh, his favorite film is the House that Jack built, and he said his favorite scene in that film is when Jack's OCD nature keeps making him imagine places where he might have forgotten to clean up the blood from mm. the th- uh, from the murder scene, and. That scene is just so, like, pure Lars in, in the sense that he's a trickster and a bit of a comedian. Um, not a comedian, like, ha-ha funny, laugh out loud. More like, I really shouldn't be laughing at this because this guy's just murdered someone uh, <laughs> kind of thing. But it's just, like, a amusing sort of, like, like, five minutes of this guy just going, keeps going away then coming back you know uh, like obsessively cleaning I, I picture that like Lars is probably does we've, that we've all been there <laughs> what we've all gone around killing people no or... usually it's like where my keys is the oven on not have I cleaned up <laughs> not, not often anyway uh, Daryl said, which I'm just going to finish this off with um, from Daryl yeah. uh, he said I just don't get Lars on Trier am I meant to dislike all of his characters Never enjoyed any of his films, and frankly, I've stopped trying to do so. Kudos to anyone who does so. Je veux partager ce prix avec mon metteur en scène, Lars von Trier, qui n'est pas là ce soir. I've seen a man killed 